boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking greyhounds. Here's Simone Fisher. Good morning to you on this Saturday morning, the 24th of August. The year certainly is flying by. Today I'll be chatting to Victorian GOTBA President Linton Hogan about the code of practice and what you need to know and how the GOTBA are assisting participants. And also a friend of mine, Callie Kibbis, whose accidental meeting with a greyhound called Roy has led her, to, led her and her daughter to having a greyhound as a therapy dog. <laughs> What's making news around the kennels? There is plenty happening around the country at the moment, but firstly, I'd like to announce to my listeners that this will be the final program of Talking Greyhounds in its current format. I'm really excited to announce that there will be a new program starting next week, and um, I'm very happy to be a part of it. I'm amazed that this is the 133rd show of Talking Greyhounds and it has been going for over two and a half years. And I'm very grateful and appreciative of those who do tell me that they enjoy listening to it or give me feedback on specific interviews that they've really enjoyed. I'm also indebted to the owners, trainers, officials, etc. that have given up their time to come on the show and do the interviews as your contributions have made the show what it is today, and also my co-hosts in the past. It is a little bit sad, but like I said, I am excited with what's ahead. And the biggest thank you to my producer, Craig, who has had to lift replays up for me and um, cut and paste things for me. So I really do appreciate that, Craig, and you don't have to put your head down there. I can still see you. All eyes will be on Cannington tonight for the finals of the National Sprint and Distance Races. There has been plenty of media throughout the week and there will be more later in the morning. Victorians Black Opium, Rajasthan and Tornado Tears will be representing the state tonight with all three excellent chances of Victorian victories. Jason Thompson is hoping that he can finally crack a national victory with Black Opium. The inaugural straight track championship was taken out by track specialist Peter Gallo in track record time at Healesville last Sunday. He will now be heading towards the Healesville Cup Series that will be run early in September. Well done to Cynthia O'Brien and both the Murray Bridge and Capalabar managers and all the trainers who supported the event and braved our wintry conditions. The Meadows have announced an increase in prize money for the 2020 Australian Cup. It will now be worth $300,000 to the winner, with the minor placings $86,000 and $43,000 respectively. The Meadows are also hosting a girls' night out next Saturday night. Tickets are still available from the club. GRV have appointed a new general manager for racing. A former New Zealander, Greg Kerr, begins his new role in early October. He has plenty of experience in operations and animal welfare and saw major reforms in greyhound racing and New Zealand. The $25,000 to the winner Group 3 Cranbourne... Cranbourne Puppy Classic final will be decided tonight. Jeff Britton and Angela Langton have five of the eight finalists between them. And in coursing news... The Waterloo Cup will be run this weekend and is worth almost $13,000 to the winner. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. Joining me now on Talking Greyhounds is Linton Hogan, who is the president of the Victorian GOTBA. Good morning, Linton. Good morning, Simone. You've been very busy outside of your normal job um, helping the GOTBA and participants um, I guess get their head around the code, but the new code of practice, um, but also help develop the code as well, which is going to be a little bit more workable. So, firstly, it's been twelve months since we've spoken, but um, yeah. could you just briefly describe or tell us what the code is? Yeah, the, the code is it's a set of legislative minimum standards 
um, in Victoria. It actually comes under the Domestic Animals Act. Um, and basically it applies to facilities and activities on, on properties um, on which registered greyhounds are kept or, or non-retired greyhounds. The code, code refers to racing greyhounds, but what that really means is greyhounds um, before they've been retired into the general community. So what are the key things that participants need to know about the code? And I guess the biggest is that it will be law. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. It, it, it's, um, it's law right now. Um, the, the most immediate thing is that it starts on the 1st of January um, 2020. It applies on from the 1st of January 2020. Um, and while we've had a code of practice in some form, we've had previous codes of practice, we, we have a form of code of practice now, and we've had that for a long time. Um, this code, uh, the one that's about to start, it is a bit different, um, particularly as to the keeping of records um, by uh, people that uh, keep greyhounds on an ongoing basis. I've looked at this code and um, the what we'll get to in a moment, the Establishment um, Health Management Plan as well. And it just seems that we're all going to have to just be awesome record keepers. Um, are we going to actually have time to train and care for these greyhounds? Because we, it looks like there's going to be an awful lot of bookwork involved. Is that realistic or am I being exaggerating a little bit? Look, there's, there's a change, there's a step change involved. Um, in terms of record keeping. Um, basically, uh, this is a code that, that doesn't change much about or needn't change much about how people actually care for their greyhounds in, in the sport of greyhound racing. Um, as an industry, we do that pretty well, and I think mm. there's thousands of families in the community um, that can see that when they look at the, their recently retired greyhound in yes. the backyard or on the couch. Um, but it does require... Uh, the, the new code does require uh, participants to record more about how they care for the, um, for their greyhounds, how they reach that standard of care. And and whilst that's a, it's a big change, it, it will get we'll get better at it over mm. time. Um, but it is we we can't deny the fact that it that it is a big change um, uh, in the way that we administer. Mm. It's um it certainly is a big change reading through all these protocols that you can either have some of them there as a template or you can um, make your own up, I get not make them up, but you can devise your own protocols as well. But a lot of it involves being signed off by a vet. Um, yep. How do the vets feel about this? Do you know? Because it's a, an awful lot of work for them as well. It, it, it is. Um, vets in, in general, and particularly the greyhound vets, um, they're receptive to the, to the possibility of, of signing the uh, signing off on the Establishment Health Management Plan. And, and to be clear what the Establishment Health Management Plan is, um, it, it's it's a set of protocols or guidelines, not a not a manual, not a everything that you will do on your property, but it's a set of guidelines in particular areas as to the sorts of things that will be done on a property where greyhounds are, are kept. Mm. Um, and, and, and it's those protocols... All those general guidelines are, are, need to be signed off, uh, need to be prepared in writing first of all, uh, and then signed off by a vet. Um, so it's there, there is a bit of work to be to be um, to be done on that, but there is help available. There is help available. There's plenty of help, and um, as we've seen on the 
the DRV website, they have got workshops that you can attend. And um, I was talking to someone actually this morning on the train who said that they've attended one and it was quite helpful. But the GOTBA have been very helpful in this as well. And I think, Linton, one of the the biggest things that you've done is um, get that grandfather clause put into the code, which allows people to keep uh, working on their properties if they're up to uh, speed, I guess, and it's only if they need re- to replace fences or kennels that they do need to be at the new code standard. I think that's been an enormous achievement. Yeah, thank, thank you. Look, it, it was. One of the things that the, the initial draft code, seem, draft code uh, seemed to do was uh, require a lot of prescription, a lot of things that, that must be done in terms of what facilities were, what facilities were made of, what fences were made of those sorts of things. Um, what, that the grandfathering clause is effectively, well, first of all, the final code isn't that prescriptive, um, but second of all, the grandfathering basically means that if you've got pre kennels in place now, facilities in place now before the 1st of January 2020 um, that, that might not otherwise comply with the code, um, you do not have to replace them um, until the end of their effective life, um, unless with some some conditions, but you don't have to replace them. So you don't have to go out and build new kennels no. um, to, to increase them for their size by a tiny little bit, for example. So what... Do, oh, sorry, Linton. Sorry. No, that's, that's all. Um, I was going to say, so what do participants need to do from now? Because it's no use um, thinking a week before the 21st of January 2020 that they've got to get this in order. Um, they really need to start preparing, don't they? So how can they go about that? Yeah. Uh, first of all, um, use some of the resources that are available. Um um, so you've mentioned um, GRVs uh, and GRV and the clubs, I should say, um, together uh, are doing some of these workshops at clubs around the state. There's a there's a set of them that are already um, have already been done. There's more coming, and there'll be another round of them um, later this year. And I can't encourage participants highly enough to to attend some of those. Um, participants also have resources of the GRV website, the Greyhound Care section of the GRV website that contains proformers. Um, importantly, um, proformers uh, for the Establishment Health Management Plan and other documents that um, have to be in place. Um, and you've got the GOTBA um, website as well. We have some information and, and documents on our website, which is, uh, give it a plug, www.gotbav.org.au, um, that, that can also assist participants. But, but going back to your question about what needs to be done before the 1st of January... I think there's probably four things. Um, firstly, uh, participants really can't avoid reading uh, or re-familiarising themselves with the code itself. Um, take the time to, to, to walk through it again um, and, and read what it requires. Um, second of all, um, if you do own or manage a property where the uh, non, non-retired greyhounds are kept, start preparing your establishment health management plan now. Right. Um, and when you're doing that, um, think clearly about what you do, what you do or don't do on your property. Um, and if you're going to use the GRV pro forma um, plan, which is on the GRV website, and it's a good base to use, um, have a think about what needs to be changed in it. What what things particularly your property, um, and then and then just keep checking and rechecking um, whether it's the GRV GRV's website or GOTBA's website and attend workshops. But as you said, um, it's really important to do these things now and, and participants should have an aim 
um, to be as ready as they can for the code um, ahead of the 1st of January. It won't work um, to just try and uh, become compliant uh, in the week before no, when you look through the code, look at it, it probably, and even for me, I thought this is a bit overwhelming. But I guess, like you've just mentioned, if you break it down in steps and prepare for it earlier um, rather than later and start preparing now, hopefully it will be a smooth transition. Linton, it's been great talking to you this morning. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but hopefully that does give um, some of our listeners some clarity on this new code that comes in. And like you've mentioned, the GOTBA website, it's very helpful. I was on it the other night. GRV are putting lots of useful information up as well and attend the workshops. And hopefully we can all make that transition together and it will seem uh, fairly easy then um, and not you know, not too much different to what we're doing now. Exactly right. And, and ultimately, it's all about the welfare of the dog at the end of the day. It is. And I think, like you've mentioned, the majority of us um, do that very well. Thanks so much for your time, Linton. Thank you. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. And joining me now is actually a friend of mine, but um, she has a very interesting story to tell, and that's Callie Kibbis. Good morning, Callie. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Um, you've got a, a fabulous story to tell about your quite accidental introduction into Greyhounds and with your parents, and it's led to you and your daughter having a therapy dog in the house, which happens to be a Greyhound pup. But let's start off with how you got involved with Greyhounds in the first place. Um, it was through a neighbour, wasn't it? Yeah, so um, my parents have two small Jack Russells, and a neighbour asked if she could bring by one of her retired greyhounds over just to see how he'd react with a little dog before taking him up to Gap. And um, so Roy came along one day and mum and dad fell in love with him <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> so Roy pretty much found his forever home before even making it to Gap. Um, and he's still there now, of course. Um, yeah, so and since then, they've also adopted another greyhound, um, Cassie. Um, because, you know, greyhounds are like potato chips. You can't just have one. <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> but it that's, um, yeah, so... Sorry. But, I was going to say, Roy had a very um, underwhelming career, didn't he? He had two race starts and uh, didn't do any good at all. Whereas Cashy, right? who I'm, I know our listeners will remember him as Cornelius Fudge, he won $144,000, had 108 starts for 21 wins and 33 placings. He was um, quite the superstar, but um, they've been fantastic pets for your mum and dad, haven't they? Oh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. They pretty much sleep all day and, um, yeah, just like to cuddle and have pats and, yeah, that's pretty much it. And they get along well with the Jack Russells? Oh, definitely. Definitely. They all sleep together and snuggle in and there's never been a problem at all. And the other interesting thing with Roy Kelly is he's become the pin-up dog at Geelong, hasn't he? Because your, your dad has his own business and um, he's decided to become a sponsor there, or he has been for a little while, and now Roy is um, the dog at Geelong that you see on the promo material. That's right. So even though Roy wasn't a very successful race dog, he's now the, pretty much the face of greyhound racing um, in the Geelong. And um, so he appears in... Um, lots of different materials so he's been easter bunny roy he's been football roy he's been bingo night roy and chef roy so he's got a little chef hat on and he's on all the menus and um as well as that because he's sort of so well known there um roy and cashy actually attend the track on special occasions so um at easter they dressed up as easter bunnies and came along for the for the family night um and the same with 
uh, Christmas. They came along um, and dressed up. So the kids just absolutely love it. I think the dogs love it just as much as the kids do, but they're always swarmed by kids getting pats, and even the adults come over and pat them for good luck before they race. Oh, right. Oh, well, they'll be patting Cashy anyway, and then your grandparents actually adopted a dog too, didn't they? That's right. After Roy came along, they also came over to visit, pretty much as anybody does. They come and visit and fall in love with the breed. Um, so, yeah, my grandparents are nearly 80 now, so they went onto the GAP website and had a look through all the pictures and picked their dogs like that, um, and then Dad drove them up to pick her up. So Goldie is her name, and she has a very comfortable life with them now. Oh, it's, it's a wonderful story, and then it leads us to the next part, which is even more special, I think, and that is you had the opportunity to purchase a greyhound pup because the the wait for cat-safe greyhounds is so long. And so this pup came along, didn't it? And um, it's been a wonderful addition to the family because of your daughter's anxiety problems. And um, yeah. this little pup, Bluebell, just turned her world around. Yeah, definitely. So it all sort of started um, with... So Lucy, she's um, eight years old now and she has anxiety disorder. She finds a lot of situations overwhelming. And um, when Roy came along, the mum's first greyhound, they bonded really quickly. Um, and one day she said to me, Mum, I think I know why Roy and I like each other so much. Uh, so then from then she went on to explain to me their similarities. Um, she said that they both don't like loud noises and they both like to go to a quiet room when there's too many people around and they both really like cuddles. So she decided in that moment that she needed a greyhound of her own. Not wanted, but needed. <laughs> needed one. And um, so now we, you go. Sorry, so now we have Bluebell, who's, as you said, a 10-month-old greyhound pup. And the bond that they have is just amazing. What have you noticed the difference between the greyhound breed? And I know you've had Labradors, which are also a beautiful family pet. What have you noticed the difference in the breeds of different dogs? Um, well, I think just the calmness of the greyhound um, and their intuitive nature. So, for instance, if you've got a child in a heightened state, which is um, often, which happens with Lucy, she can be either overwhelmed with um, anxiety or sensory input and things like that. Um, she finds it hard to self-regulate. So to bring herself down from that heightened state down back to a calm state. And when you have a Labrador who's obviously very excitable, our Labrador Tilly is <laughs> 10 years old and she's still just excitable as the six-month-old puppy. If you've got a child in a heightened state and a dog in a heightened state, it really doesn't achieve anything. Um, whereas I find greyhounds fabulous because with their intuitive nature as well as their calm approach, it's just so different. It just it really helps. The bluebell tucks her head into Lucy's shoulder to cuddle her. Um, Lucy reads to her and she just sits there with her head on her lap. Um, there's been a lot of research around pet therapy and kids, but yeah, I've just found greyhounds are fabulous in, in particular. Yeah, it's, it is, like I've mentioned many times, a truly wonderful story here. And there is an instance where Lucy was crying, wasn't there? And um, Bluebell sniffed her out and came and comforted her. Oh, that's every day. Right. Absolutely every day. If Lucy's upset, she's there by her side and she won't leave her. Um, and yeah, she's, they're pretty much glued. They're glued together all the time. Um, yeah, she's very intuitive. Um, yes, yeah, if, if she hears Lucy crying and Lucy's behind a closed door, Bluebell will actually whine at the door because she needs to get in with her. And you open the door and she just runs to her and cuddles, puts her head up into her shoulder and cuddles straight away. And you see a difference within 30 seconds to a minute right. of Lucy 
um, where Bubo might nibble on her ear or just the, just one, it provides a distraction. Right. Two, you've got that sensory tactile aspect of patting and cuddling. Um, it's introduced an aspect of responsibility to Lucy's life as well. She's looking after somebody else and she has to think about her feelings as well. So even though she might be upset, she's got to make sure that Bluebell's okay. And of course, loyal friendship as well. So then that translates into life scenarios as well. Um, so not just when she's at home, but she can also transfer those, transfer those skills that she's learning into everyday life at school and, and all those other situations. So have you found that it's helped even when Bluebell's not around but Lucy has those skills now or she's developing them to be able to calm herself down or think things through even when the dog's not there? Definitely. Um, So to give you an example, this time last year Lucy wasn't attending school. Um, She wouldn't stay with anybody apart from me. Uh, She didn't even want to go outside at our own house and play by herself. Um, And... Two weeks ago, she actually went on school camp um, for two nights without me. Wow. So that's the difference it's had in a year. And um, and Bluebell has been a huge part of that transformation. There's obviously been other things as well. Um, Lucy started medication, but she's actually halved that medication now. So, yeah, in a year, it's been an absolutely huge transformation. And Lucy's got a vision too, hasn't she? I don't know whether Dad's going to approve it, but I'm sure she'll twist your arm. <laughs> What's yeah, her vision? So because because she's fallen in with uh, fallen in love with greyhounds, and because when we initially looked at getting a greyhound on the um, GAP website, I've also got a four year old son, so it's it's sort of really hard to get um, a greyhound from GAP that's okay with small children, okay with cats because we have cats as well, and okay with other dogs. It's like the trifecta of yes. Get <laughs> um, so Lucy actually thought of the idea that she'd like to foster greyhounds because. She said, if we can get them used to all those things, then they would be okay to then go on to their forever home. Um, so she's got a big plan. First of all, she started off with converting some kennels outside, but then she thought she wouldn't want the dogs living outside. So now she wants to extend the house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all from an eight-year-old. Um, so, yeah, that's a lovely vision for her. But I dare say the problem will be, uh, once a greyhound comes here, I don't think it would actually leave. Uh, I so think... that defeats the purpose of fostering. <laughs> Absolutely, but I think there's many foster carers who find themselves in that situation. Kelly, thanks so much for your time this morning. It's a great story. Great to hear that Bluebell and Lucy have that terrific bond and um, really appreciate you speaking openly about Lucy and her anxiety and how the greyhound has helped. No worries. Thanks for listening. It's the expert pick, Simone's Run of the Week. Racing, winning the start out deep was Inga Assault, driving forward, hooked on Scotch Fave, went to the lead from Gino Gambino. Revolution hooked a third but went deep, Blue Mascara threw on the fence with Weblex Smoke, the centre a shuffle up there. Route 66 well out of its ground with hooked on, with the Wellback Revolution hook. So leaving the back, it's hooked on Scotch 4 in front of Gino Gambino, Weblex Smoke. Next in the field was Route 66 and Blue Mascara but hooked on Scotch, it just busted them open. Hooked on Scotch won it by 15. Weblex Smoke ran second, maybe Route 66 third from Gino Gambino, Blue Mascara. It was a huge run from a very smart young pup hooked on scotch at Sandown last Sunday. Last week's dog to follow, Weblex Diamond, ran fourth at Sandown last Sunday also. And Patrick Francis, my other dog to follow, ran fifth at Warrnambool after starting favour, but still greyhounds to look out for. My dog to follow this week is hooked on scotch after that 29.09 win at Sandown on Sunday, won by 
13 lengths in the end, started favourite on Thursday night at Sandown and ran fifth, but certainly a greyhound to keep your eye on. He's by Barsha Bale and out of Poke the Bear's Mother, so um, bred in the blue there for sure. My best bet is race six, number two tonight at Springbridge in a 600-metre grade five final at the Meadows. He won his start last week in 34 and 25. That was on Saturday night. He looks well boxed in this draw again. And coming up, a Nationals final tonight, the Waterloo Cup tomorrow, Girls' Night Out at the Meadows next Saturday night, and Heelsville Cups Cup heats are not far away also. I'll get through this show eventually. So like I mentioned earlier in the show, this is the very last edition of Talking Greyhounds in its current format. So thank you very much for listening and you keep those tails wagging.